Today's guest is Eddie Olchek. Eddie is from Illinois and currently working as an assistant coach for Bemidji State in the WCHA and is also the team's recruiting coordinator. This is a guy who has first-hand knowledge of what it takes to get to the next level, both as a player and a coach. We hope you enjoy our conversation with him. Please welcome Eddie Olchek. Obviously, uh, with your name, hockey's in your, in your blood. But did you always have intentions of becoming a coach after your playing career, or was that a decision you made when that time came at, at the very end? I think for me, um, just growing up in a hockey family, having brothers that played, um, you know, I always wanted to be involved with the game. Uh, to what capacity, I don't think I was really sure. But uh, my situation, I guess, was a little different. I was playing minor pro hockey, getting set to – go back and, and hopefully make another training camp um, and just got a phone call randomly out of the blue from a guy named Gary Heenan, who's the head coach at Utica College, where I ended up working. And he kind of, uh, I guess that was my first experience of actually being recruited and how to recruit. Um, he kind of had told me that he got my name from a mutual friend and uh, thought that I could be a good fit and uh, kind of just rolled with it and made the choice to jump right in. And, uh, you know, honestly, it was one of the best decisions I could have uh, could have ever made. So, yeah, nice. So being a player, you know, we deal with a lot of young coaches that, that are wrapping up their careers uh, often earlier than they'd hoped. And they kind of ask the same thing. Do you, do you find you get the same fulfillment from coaching as you did when you were a player? For sure. Uh, it's a little bit different. Um, I think that once I got into coaching, um, especially at the division three level, which, to be honest, it's such a fine line. Like the, the, the playing level, the skill level of the players is actually fairly close to the Division One level. So for me, being a, a guy who was able to play Division One college hockey, fortunately, um, I was really amazed and surprised at actually how close the level was um, of, of the players at that level. And for me, um, you know, it's – I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, there's different things as a player. You're training, you know, to work on your own individual game. Um, you know, how can you get bigger, stronger, faster, uh, increase your skill level, uh, generate some more ice time opportunity for yourself. And as a coach, um, you know, now you're managing people. You know, I, I mean, we carry anywhere on, on a given year from 27 to 30 players on a roster. So, um, you know, how can I help each individual player take steps in their game um, and also, too, on a personal level, I mean, these guys, they're, they're, they're at uh, an interesting point in their lives where, you know, a lot of them still have hopes and dreams of playing in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, obviously, they're going through, um, you know, relationships or just things in school on a day-to-day -day level. So for me to be able to be there and be an outlet and a resource for them um, gives me a lot of joy. I, I have a lot of motivation and drive as an individual to come to the rink and give them um, my best effort, put my best foot forward every day. And, um, every day is, is uh, something new. There's challenges. Um, there's ups and downs. And I think, um, you know, from that day-to-day -day experience, um, I definitely fell in love with the ability to coach, help young people fulfill their goals and dreams, and um, just be there for them to help them take steps, not only in hockey, but um, as people as well. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I like how you said that. It's, it's, even though hockey's a team sport, you're right. When you're a player where – we're very worried about our own performance and 
sometimes I know as a player, the team can win and, and obviously you're happy, but if you didn't have a good game, you're like, oh, you might be a little sour where <clears throat> as a coach, um, do you find you can really celebrate every win a little more? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think that that's the other thing too is, you know, when you're a player, you're so worried about just you, your day to day, go, yeah. you know, go to school, work out, practice and games on the weekends. Um, make sure you're putting in your time to study for your academics. The hard thing as a coach is to get all those individual guys to buy in. And, you know, there are some players who are getting more ice time than others. There are guys who, um, you know, for have, a, have had a great experience. Some guys who maybe think they should be getting a little bit more ice time. You know, there's all different situations that could be going into any given year, um, any different time throughout the season. And to try to get every single player to buy in um, and, and hopefully see that um, and guys just putting the team first before themselves, that's the greatest challenge of all. And when you can do that or you can feel that in the room um, with the guys, and a lot of that too is just is the players. Um, we kind of give the guys a roadmap, a GPS of how to get to where you know, where we want them to go, um, if they, if they want to have team success. And ultimately it comes on the players. And for me personally, um, working at the schools I've worked at, uh, was able to kind of see that in a lot of different situations, um, with some of the players that I, that I've come across and been lucky enough to coach. Yeah. Nice. So I guess in your current role with Bemidji, I take us through like a, the role of what's day to day for an assistant coach at that level. I mean, it's, it's always changing. There's, there's so many different parts um, that go into being an assistant coach. Um, obviously, there's the hockey side. And, um, you know, b before the season gets going, um, you know, you're, you're working with your players in practice. Um, you know, even just getting guys, I mean, that, getting their habits where you want them to be. So introducing them to the game of college hockey is a lot different than junior hockey. I mean, practices are like games, and games are like game seven of the Stanley Cup yeah. playoffs every single game. So getting them to understand that and help them adjust is big. So you're talking systems, um, you know, not only just your systems, but before a big weekend, you know, you're pre-scouting your opponent, your opponent changes every weekend. You're playing a different team in two games on the weekend. You have two different pre-scouts. Um, so, you know, obviously video is really big, um, you know, and then recruiting and scouting, I would say for me is probably one of my biggest responsibilities that I carry here at Bemidji. And um, you know, if you, uh, if you want to win games, you got to find good players. Um, and I, I, our staff would definitely say if, if you want to look like a better coach, not that that matters, but uh, find good hockey players and good things will happen. You'll win some games. So that's always the challenge, um, trying to find players um, all over the world, not just in the U.S. and Canada, but as well as uh, internationally. Um, you know, we take a lot of pride in trying to find international players. Um, you know, there's a skill development piece. When I get on the ice with our guys, before and after practice, sometimes before class, whenever it works for them to kind of hopefully take their game to a new level. Um, academically as well, I can speak for our staff, and we actually look at each individual transcript. Um, so breaking down the grades, making sure that the, the, the players have the, the necessary courses and the grades, not only to get into just our school, but the NCAA as well, because they have a set of standards based on their SAT or ACT, their test score, and as well as their GPA and the courses that they take. Um, and other than that, just, I mean, continuing to build relationships, you know, you're recruiting these players to come to your school. Um, you know, it's important when they're there to show them that you care and continue to build those relationships, um, throughout their, their four years, um, you know, at, at our university. So a lot of different pieces that, that go into that. Um, but I think the one biggest piece for sure is, is definitely recruiting it. It's, uh, it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If your cell phone's got battery, 
or you're on your computer, you are always recruiting um, or getting phone calls or making phone calls. So just building relationships with junior coaches, midget coaches, and uh, doing a lot of follow-up work. And for me personally, that takes up definitely a lot of my time, but it's a very enjoyable experience. Yeah, I bet. Now, is it is it is still an NCAA rule where the coaches have to do the face-to-face -face recruiting? Is that right? Yeah, so I mean, there's, a, there's one head coach and two assistant coaches. So um, take major junior hockey, for example, like the OHL, or the Western Hockey League, or the Quebec League. A lot of those teams have a whole scouting staff based on their region, and they can go and watch players and even talk to them from a very young age. They have a draft. Unfortunately for us, you know, until your um, your January one of your sophomore year, your grade ten, we can't even start talking to you um, on the phone. And face to face isn't even until a couple months after that. So, you know, a head coach obviously is, um, you know, he needs to be around the team. You know, our head coach does actually a lot of recruiting, um, which I've actually learned a lot from, which has been very valuable for me, but. Um, you know, we technically only have during the season three guys that can go out on a regular basis. And I mean, you got a lot of junior leagues in the U.S., lots of junior leagues in Canada, tons of hockey internationally. So for us to be able to try to cover so much ground can be very difficult. So um, that's why we lean on video. Video is very important, um, and as well as just leaning on our contacts. So um, takes up a lot of time, but obviously, um, you know, necessary if you if you want to find players. Yeah, you're right. Such a big piece, right? Like, and and you said it really well. And we all know that um, you can you can be a good coach really quickly if you have great players. So sure. I can see how recruiting is yeah. a big part of it. Look, when you joined Utica, the D3 program, you were only one year removed from your own pro career, uh, and sorry, two years removed from you playing college. And like yep. you said, against very similar athletes, what did you find? Difficult about that. What challenges did you face working with players who were right around the same age as you? That, that was something initially that I, I wouldn't say I was worried about, but just really just trying to find a way to toe that line. Um, I think what was going to be important for me is to just show them that I was willing to give them everything that I had every single day um, and, and really just empty the tank in terms of whether it was skill development or doing video um, or going over shifts with, with players um, and not trying to be too buddy-buddy. I think an assistant coach in general, you have a little bit more of an open relationship um, with the players. They might be more willing to go to you as opposed to the head coach. Um, so I think that you have to, you can't take that relationship for granted and you have to do it the right way. And I just tried to be as professional as possible, but also have an open door policy where the guys knew that they could come to me for anything. So I think it also worked to my advantage in the sense that I like to think that I'm, I'm pretty uh, understanding of what's going on in terms of social media, things that kids are into. So just have talking points to bounce off of players. And um, for me that I'm still, I'm still using, I think I still have the young guy card a little bit um, as I start to get up there in, in my career in, in the number of years I've been coaching. But um, I think that that can work as well. And um, just towing that line and finding what works um, without trying to be, you know, one of the guys, but still letting them understand that, you know, you're there for them, um, I think is, is very important. Yeah, that's great. It's, yeah, towing that line and, and being professional, but I really like how you put it there, just emptying the tank and working, because it's the same as a player, right? If you're a, a new player on a team or, or a young player on a team and you want to get to know your teammates, if you're just a, the hardest worker in the room and put everything out there, empty the tank, as you said, 
in practice or games, you're going to be quickly respected by your teammates. So it's interesting that coaches can take that exact same approach and, and just be a workhorse and be there for them, for sure. and give them as much as you can and, and earn their respect really quick. Um, so you've now worked with three different programs. Um, you're in your third here at Bemidji. So walking into three new environments as a coach, is that probably the biggest thing you can recommend for a new coach to, to do right off the bat to, to, to kind of get a name for himself, that work ethic? Or, or what else could you recommend to young coaches? For sure. I mean, I, I think for me, the one thing I learned from my head coach at, at Utica, Gary Heenan, is you have to grow your network as quickly as possible. The more people you know, potential opportunities um, could be created for you. And um, it's just all about being a good person. I mean, if I, for me, when I was a Division three coach, if I saw anybody in the rink, it didn't matter if they're Division one, NHL scout, junior coach, I would just go up to them and shake, shake their hand and introduce myself. Um, grab a business card, give them a business card, send them a note after I left the rink and just try to grow my network. And it wasn't just self-serving either. It was trying to pick their brain quick, you know, and, and just understand, hey, how is their season going? Um, maybe they could, maybe they'd be able to help me down the road if there was a player that they saw um, that they wouldn't be afraid to send my way. So just try to grow your network um, as quickly as possible. And, you know, for me, I, in, in all my situations where I went from Division three to Division one and, and a couple different teams, a lot of it was just timing. Um, but actually, interesting enough, I had met um, the coaches at Niagara as well as the coaches at Bemidji when I was on the road recruiting and had a quick connection um, and ended up just becoming a familiar face. And then when they had openings, just from trying to be a good guy, say hello, and, you know, take a general interest in them as a person and, and learn about their team and pick their brain, um, that's what kind of helped me um, continue to, I guess, quote, unquote, climb the ladder in advance, in advance you know, in the, in the coaching ranks. So. Yeah, that's interesting. So <clears throat> when, you're, when you're looking for an assistant coach job, What's more important? Are you looking at, are you assessing the program as a whole? Are you really looking at who the head coach is and your relationship with them? Or are you just looking for an opportunity to get your foot in the door as, as a young or a rookie coach? Um, that's a great question. And, and to be honest, Dave, I think it changes. Um, you know, you see a lot of, there's a lot of coaches that are coaching in junior hockey that have coached in junior hockey for a long time and they're trying to get to college. Um, you have guys that have been assistant coaches at very good Division One programs for 10, 15 years, and they're trying to get a head coaching job. Um, you know, but for me as a younger guy, um, I think I was just trying to do my best every single day and hopefully just from being a good person and working hard, get an opportunity. Um, you know, when I was at Utica, my head coach there, Gary Heenan, just said, you know, you got to go after anything that comes available at the Division One level. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, and ended up, you know, getting, getting an opportunity at Niagara. And um, just as I mentioned through networking, I got a, I got a phone call from Bemidji, um, you know, about their coaching opening. So I don't really know if it's, you know, if you're really looking and dissecting it, trying to get a good fit with the head coach or the program. I think that there are certain things you definitely look at where, you know, how has the program done? How has the coach done? You know, have they had success? Have they not? And I think as you start to get a little bit older, and have some more experience at maybe a certain school or with a certain team, you know, those are the boxes you can check or X's that you can kind of mark off on your, on your list as you're looking at maybe taking or pursuing an opportunity or not. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an interesting decision-making process. So with, with all the work that an assistant coach does, and like you said, they're usually a bit closer to the players as far as, um, you know, friendly players can come to them. They're a great buffer between the head coach. Do you think an assistant coach can be just as impactful as a head coach for a program? For sure. Um, you know, I know that with all the recruiting and man hours of driving and flying and going to showcases and following up and uh, meeting with players after the game, I think at least there's a lot of different situations that can happen. I think for the most part, typically the first interaction, I think a lot of players have um, either receiving a phone call or getting talked to after a game happens initially with an assistant coach. So that initial interaction, I think can really set the tone and give those prospective student athletes a feel for what they might be walking into. Um, and, you know, for us, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we speak obviously very highly of our program and our head coach. And, um, you know, we have a certain way that we want to tackle and attack um, all different types of players. But I think that just that initial interaction um, can really be powerful in terms of if a player ends up choosing your school or not. Um, and, you know, obviously, as I, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, a lot of players that, you know, I currently work with that are on our team, um, you know, they're, they, they feel comfortable coming to us as assistant coaches. And, um, you know, I definitely think there's a great bond and a respect factor between the players and, and the assistant coaches. And, um, yeah, I mean, it can definitely play a big part in, um, you know, if they choose your program or not. But obviously, the you know, head coach definitely plays a big role in that, um, you know, from, you know, meeting with the parents and on the official visit and, um, you know, doing the work that they do every single day with our players and, and with recruits. So, um, to answer your question, long-winded, I, I think it definitely can have an impact. And um, more times than not, a lot of that is just kind of that, that first initial interaction the players um, receive. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, first impressions are, are huge, right? So powerful in, in any relationship. Right. Look, as a player, you, uh, you, you went from the USHL to Division One hockey and then on to pro. I know as a coach, we always, well, I find, at least when I'm working with junior players, we're always trying to prepare them for the next level. So you got to work on this because at the next level, you're going to need it. What are some of the things that you learn in the, each of those steps, like from the USHL to Division One, being a student athlete, and then into the pro game? Well, I, I would say just going from, from junior hockey to Division One, there's no question. Um, the biggest thing that I had to do is, was get stronger. Um, you know, you're, you're coming from midget or high school hockey um, or prep hockey to the USHL and the skill level uh, and the depth of the players is definitely better across the board. There's no questions. Great coaching, um, you know, just different regimen in terms of professionalism that you look at and how you approach the game. Then when you get to college, I mean, you're looking at players from, you know, you're going to playing with kids in junior hockey from 16 to 20 to, you know, at the very youngest, which is now very few and far between now 18 year olds mostly 19, 20, even 21, to guys who are even 24, maybe in some instances 25 years old. So, you know, their bodies have matured. They're bigger, stronger, faster. So I had to really um, get on a really good workout plan um, and, and really buy in and dive into that to make sure that I could withstand, um, you know, one-on-one -on -one battles, competing for the puck, um, you know, in terms of weightlifting and, and strength training too. Just that's a lot of that's just injury prevention. Um, practices, as I mentioned, are, they're hard. Like it's, there's so many kids who don't even know what, what they're in store for when they get to college hockey, just on a practice. 
And um, so I think just getting ahead of it and getting in the gym helped me for sure. And then pro hockey, I mean, I did, I had nothing, you know, I, I did not, I had a, I had a little uh, glimmer of, of pro hockey, a cup of coffee. And for me, I went to camp in the East Coast League and was just surprised of how good every single player was. I mean, they could have taken guys that didn't make the team and put them on that team and they would have done fine. Um, you know, it's just, it's such a fine line. You know, what, what can you bring to the table every single night? How will you differentiate yourself? And, you know, for me, I, um, I, I would say my, my lack of skill, but my work ethic and ability and t- attention to details in my hockey sense, I think are what allowed me to at least play at the division one level um, and play, play a little bit of pro hockey. So. Yeah. Interesting. It's <clears throat> like, it, it's, I guess it's kind of like when your parents are talking to you when you're younger that, you know, watch out for this, you got to do this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that mm-hmm. with a lot of young players. It's like, hey, at the next level, like you got to get bigger, stronger. When it, when a kid's dominating junior and, and he's, feels like the strongest guy out there, I think it's easy for players to say, yeah, yeah, like I'm, I'm getting strong. You know, I'm already the strongest. But until you've actually experienced it and felt it at the next level, um, you won't understand. So I guess how much do you draw on your experiences your personal experiences jumping from those levels when you're working with your, your day one players. Yeah. I mean, just to your point exactly there. I mean, in terms of details and habits um, and being accountable every single day, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I think it's super important. That is, that is the fine line that can separate good players from great players, guys who make it and guys who don't. And for me, um, you know, as I mentioned, I personally, when I played, those are things I tried to bring to the table every single day because I didn't have the, the, the high-end skill that some other players I played with or even now coach. I mean, the guys today, you know, they're, they are really super skilled and, you know, they've proven that they can produce and put up points at the junior level. Um, but getting kids to understand that every single forecheck matters. Um, every single mistake is magnified. The, the higher you climb the ladder in the, ho- in the game of hockey, one little mistake is magnified on such a, a higher level. Um, that it can not only cost you a game, uh, a spot in the playoffs, or, or even your season. So understanding from a very um, early mark, uh, I think is important to understand how important details and habits um, and everything that you do, even away from the rink in terms of, you know, you're prioritizing your time. I mean, for me, that was a big one when I got to college. Um, you know, I have to put in time for homework. I have to put in time to make sure I stay in touch with my family, work on my game. Um, and just all the little things that go into being a complete player um, definitely definitely helps me now, um, even as a coach, from the way that I, I approach how I, how I coach and, and help uh, develop our players. Yeah, that time management is so, so big for coaches. Uh, when you're scouting and recruiting players from junior, if you're going to watch a game where there's no previously previous player that's been highlighted to you, like you're not going to watch a player in particular, you're just watching a game, how do you scout that game? Do you follow a process or do you just watch the game and wait for players to catch your eye? Um, well, for us, we, hopefully, we, hopefully we know, you know a player or two in the game, but I, I know what you're trying to say. Um, I mean, we're just – what jumps out to me initially, for sure, is hockey sense and the ability to make plays. Um, and hockey sense can be with or without the puck, positional play, stick positioning, um, ability to make plays under pressure. I think is something that we really put a main focal point on, at least here with our program. Um, and then just compete level. 
Um, you know, are you, are you first in the four check? Are you first back? Um, are you winning your one-on-one -on -one battles? I think those are things initially you don't even need statistics for. Um, that's going to get my attention right off the bat. And then I'll get on my, uh, my phone and, and take a look at your history of scoring and where, you know, where, where you've played and what programs you've played for. But, um, you know, those are things that you compete for sure. It takes no skill to compete. And that, and I think that hammering that home to skilled players, I think is very important. I mean, competing every single shift um, of every single game, um, that takes zero skill. Anyone can do that. And sometimes there are players that have so much, they have more skill in their pinky than a lot of us ever did in our whole career to get them to understand that that's a choice. And that's something that you can do every single day. Um, once again, that, that'll separate guys who, um, who don't have a career and guys who play for a long time. So true. What are some characteristics that would kind of instantly turn you off a player? Um, not to be vanilla, but I would say just lack of compete. Um, if, if you're not going to compete, it is going to be extremely hard for you. I'm not even talking about in games. I'm talking about just in practice at the college level. It's so demanding um, every single day. Um, you know, and for us, if, you know, there's a player we think has a lot of skill and they could be a pretty good player, but we need to go follow up and watch them again. Um, that's when you can really start to dissect and look at, you know, what's their body language look like when things aren't going their way? Um, you know, what are they doing away from the puck when they're not putting up points? Um, can they be an effective player? Like you have to have a backup game. It doesn't matter if you score 50 goals in a season, if you don't have a backup game and, um, you're not willing to, to do the little things like, you know, get off the ice hard and change or block a shot or clear a puck when it matters most or, um, not get to a puck when you know you're going to get hit. I mean, to me, those are things when we really start to get excited about a player and we can then zoom in and look at um, those details of, of the game. But, um, you know, and two, just calling their coaches of the past. Like, are you a good person? Um, what do your academics look like? Um, you know, do you fold, do you fold um, like a deck of cards when uh, times get tough? I mean, those are all things that we're able to look at um, when we really, you know, uh, I guess get – focus on a player and, and we're going to decide if we're going to make a decision or not. But. Yeah. Well, that's excellent, Eddie. You've, you've given us so much there. I got some quick hitters just, just to finish. Um, what's your most memorable moment from your coaching career so far? Um, I would say in 2016, 17, it was actually my first season at Bemidji. Um, we were able to win the WCHA McNaughton cup, which means, um, we were able to win the regular season title. Uh, we had a special group of guys, really good leadership group. And, um, you know, unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't go overly far in the playoffs. But just winning a championship, uh, that was the first one I was able to be a part of uh, coaching was, was amazing. Um, and just celebrating with the team and realizing that, you know, you would accomplish something and check something off the list was, was great. So still stay in touch with a lot of the guys from that team. Um, just a special group of, group of people. It's awesome. So special. And those things last forever. What's your most deflating moment so far in your coaching career? A hundred percent not being able to finish the season this year. Um, for us, we were, we were 11th ranked team in the NCAA. Um, you know, we had a little bit more hockey to go. We were about to start the semifinals of our league against Bowling Green. We had the number two seed. Um, so technically we were, we were in the tournament. The top 16 teams make the NCAA tournament. We hadn't been to a tournament in 10 years. Um, so we were on track to, 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 excuse me, to do that. And, um, you know, just 
our seniors, all they worked for their four years here, and for them to go out like that, it just it really broke my heart. I, I, I still feel for those guys and just our team and our staff, all the hours we put in, um, the coaching and development of the players, just to not be able to finish out this season um, was really unfortunate. And it's, and it's going to be a big what if, not just for us either, tons of teams, teams all over the world that, you know, they had that what if of what the season could have been like if it, if it were able to be finished. Yeah, it's so well described. I, I'm with you. I feel for all those seniors, all those kind of 20-year-olds and junior. Yep. Um, I know on my team, the youth team here, we had a bunch of age-out players that, that we were set to go to the world championships and it didn't happen. Um, those guys will never get that back. So it's, it's, it's uh, not to be too, too down, but it is, it is kind of tragic in the hockey sense. For sure. Um, you described that excellently. Uh, if players were to describe you in one word, what do you think it would be? Uh, I would say I would say passionate. I think some guys would probably say intense, which is interesting to me. Um, I, I, I feel like I'm a pretty easygoing guy, pretty approachable, but I would say passionate. I mean, th this, is, this is my life, um, you know, along with my family. Um, hockey's a game that's given me so much. It's given me all my best relationships with friends. It's given me an education, um, you know, people that I love working with every single day. Um, but I just try to do everything possible for, um, for the players, whether it's skill work or development, um, you know, or just being, uh, being there to bend an ear. Um, I would say that I'm, I'm a pretty passionate guy and, and a passionate coach. That's awesome. Well, Eddie, mate, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat to us. I know that the, the Australian coaches or any coaches really will get a ton from this. Um, and, and, yeah, I appreciate the time. You betcha, Dave. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. I appreciate it.